2: Great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host.
0: Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Carol at Guardian is the author of Vera. Carol's novels include, obviously, the newly released Vera, the New York Times bestseller, Three Stages of Amazement, and the international bestseller, Rise the Euphrates, winner of the ANC Freedom Prize. Her work has been described by the Washington Post as notable for its generosity of spirit, intelligence, humanity, and finally, ambition. Her articles and essays have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, NPR, and W, among many others, and she co-edited the popular collective drawn from writers' diaries called The Writer's Life, Intimate Thoughts on Work, Love, Inspiration, and Fame. my gosh, I have to get that. Carol is co-founder of the nonprofit Narrative, narrativemagazine.com, a leading digital publisher of fiction, poetry, and art, and of Narrative in the Schools, which provides free libraries and writing resources for teachers and students around the world. Carol lives with her family in San Francisco which, as you will see in her novel, takes center stage. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Vera. Thank you. It's so good to be here. This is so fun. Okay, would you mind telling listeners what Vera is about and also how you came up with the idea for this novel?
2: So Vera is, well, it's set in 1906 San Francisco And it features Vera, who is a 15-year-old young woman uh, on the cusp of womanhood. And she is contrary. She is whip-smart. She is unconventional in a time when, when young girls and women were expected to sort of fit a mold. But in a town that didn't fit a mold, San Francisco in 1906 was one of the most murderous towns in America. It was a corrupt society where the mayor was about to be indicted on the morning of the great San Francisco quake. And Vera is the daughter of the most successful madam in town, but she's not being raised by her mother. She's being raised by a foster mother who's the antithesis of a madam. So she is a character who even before the quake is housed, but homeless, surrounded by family, but unloved. And she's looking really for a moral center in a very corrupt world. And then the quake hits, followed by three days of fire. And she not only has to survive, but she has to take care of what family is left. And a band of fellow misfits she joins forces with. And it's, you know, it's a book a lot about displacement and sort of that in, in a disaster, in, in a crisis like what we've all been through and are still going through, who, who becomes your people? Who do you count on and how do you count on yourself? And in terms of where it started, I started collecting books on the quake, you know, years ago. Didn't think I would do anything with them. But when I started fashioning this idea of an adventure story, about a girl. I think we have lots of adventure stories about boys and men, but young women and women who have their own sense of self and their own sort of drive. I was also looking for a moment when society was really tested. I started doing, I started writing it right before the 2016 election, when it looked to me like our society was really on the cusp of pivotal change and crisis. So thinking back to San Francisco in 1906, when the mayor was about to be indicted and everything was sort of at play and in the space of a minute, society collapsed, seemed like a really fertile ground to talk about all the things I wanted to talk about.
0: Wow. I mean... Now I feel like I should go right about this. I mean <laughs> it does. I mean, there's so much intrigue and in everything. You know, you mentioned figuring out who your people are or were, you know, when things when things sort of hit the fan, so to speak. Like who who have your people been? Who who are your people when things have happened even with the pandemic or recently? Or like who do you turn to? Just curious. We-
2: Well, you know, I think, I think about you and so much about what you say about, you know, moms don't have time to do X and I'm the mother of three daughters, two of whom have come home during the pandemic, grown daughters who've come home. And it's been, you know, this has been such a painful time, such a time of so much loss and so much loss of potential, so much change, particularly in young people's lives. You know, I think the younger you are, the in some ways, the more this has impacted, impacted you. On the other side, it's been a real stolen time to have my grown daughters eating dinner with us every night. (laughs) So I feel both grateful and I feel like coming out of it, we're just learning what we're going to carry with us. And it's an interesting question, sort of, you know, is this a moment of recalibration and reinvention and profound change in our country. I hope, I hope it is. I hope it is. And what did
0: you learn about that period of time that kind of echoed this, right? Like what, what does happen when characters who you paint so vividly, right? You like Vera, for instance, and her, I don't even know what to call her. It's not really a stepsister. Her pie is her what? Like her, her adopted her, sister, whatever, yeah, her, yeah. Yeah. and her her mom, right? You you paint such clear pictures of who they are as people and how you know Vera never really felt accepted because she wasn't actually a part of their family. That she had this funny arrangement, you know, right. hawked by this you know glamorous madam, of, you know, the doyen of, of town, if you will, in this like secretive arrangement, and then yet she's always just a little bit off and like so direct. And, you know, I loved how she confronted the mayor and just like, yeah, how do you feel about it? You're about to go to prison. Like, yeah, (laughs) what do you think about that? You know, I love that outspoken quality in her. So how do you take the characters and then put them through something like this? Like what, like how, I, I don't even know what my question is, but I guess like you take these characters, you form them and then you put them in like the most difficult scenario ever then what? Like, how do you figure out what to do with them? Like, did you figure it out kind of as you wrote or did you know how they would go through it? I mean, I feel like it's so hard to know how even we go through crisis, let alone like fictitious characters.
2: Right. Well, I think, you know, one of the reasons I became a writer was from my earliest days, I always wondered what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. I mean, what makes people tick? And I think you have, you, you have a real character I know I'm working in in a place that's interesting. If you have that complexity, that co- that contrariness, you know, the, what I, what I like to call a character's wrong rightness. Mm-hmm. So I try. So in fiction, I just keep pushing the characters to to moments where they have to show different sides of themselves, where they're stressed, where and certainly a quake surviving the quake and the fire is the different defi- is the definition of a stressful moment but it's also how do they show up for each other or fail to show up for each other and you know i think what i try to do in in the book is show as many sides as many as many moments of possibility and one of the things that is so fun in the writing is at a certain point characters become these full people and they surprise me you know i have a i have a certain notion about who they are and what they mean to themselves and to each other and then they then they make a turn and i i have to be smart enough to go with them interesting so tell me about how you got started
0: writing? Like, how did you, I know you've written multiple novels and you edited a collection on writing, which by the way, I have to get that advice book. That sounds awesome. How did you get into this? Like, what did you, like, where did you grow up? What's your, what's your whole story? What's my whole yeah.
2: story? How much time do we have? <laughs> no, I was, and I think so many writers are, this is true, but I was the kid, you know, the voracious reader and in a house that was tumultuous. So in many ways, books were home to me. Books were, books were my safe place to go. And, you know, I just unearthed a journal from when I was nine, 10 years old and I was writing poetry. I was writing stories. So I always, that was always sort of the place to go, where I was always thinking about story. I didn't really think of myself as a writer. I would never have said I'm a writer till, till you know, in college I started writing my first novel that ultimately became Rise of the Euphrates, but it took me 10 years, <laughs> 10 years to finish it. I'm not the fastest writer, alas. But I think it's, it's always been how I make sense of the world is through story. You know, what what connects us? What's universal? And again, what makes people tick? It's fascinating to me. You know, I, I just took my first plane ride in the, you know, since the pandemic and sitting in an airport listening to people talk. I mean, I could, I could eavesdrop all day long, you know? You parachute in on people's lives and you get the whole you get the whole thing in a moment. I mean that's always the challenge on the page, you know, can you get the whole life from a moment?
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly
1: Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to 2 dollars a manicure, which in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy online therapy by BetterHelp. help it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule i took the brief questionnaire online where there were i don't know 20 questions it didn't take long at all maybe three minutes and then i got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever i picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001 i am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11 and it is what it is better help is going to help dot com slash moms don't have time so interesting yeah i'm always wondering about people i i felt like i didn't realize this was something shared by so many people until i started interviewing authors but turns out i'm not the only one who's like (laughs) wondering and listening and you know imagining and you know people always say that you should focus on something you're interested in like if you're writing a book for instance like people will say pick a topic that you don't think you could get tired of, right? Like you were endlessly fascinated by the earthquake already, right? You were already researching right. that. So it's like supernatural, super, very natural, I should say. And I feel like the same is about people. Like learning about new people just does not get old. Like I, I don't think I would ever get sick of hearing people's stories for their lives. And so if you can like somehow put that into literature, like how great is that, I guess. <laughs>
2: Well, that's the, that's the challenge that's the impossible challenge but it's it's endless it's an endless loop of how we're all connected. you know the news of the day and I think good fiction has to read like the news of the day. It has to feel really important and urgent. but it also you know the news of the day tells us the who, what, where and when but 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 stories tell us how and why you know how were they? How did they come together? and why? What was what was what was moving through each of each of those characters that made this moment possible? That ability to sort of see behind the behind the screen and have insight, like, what's better than that? And also to fly on a magic carpet, you know, as much as the entertainment factor, I really wanted this book to read, as an entertainment too. And that sounds contrary to the central disaster, but people are funny. We're full of folly. You know, we do, we do stupid things. We do, we can't help, you know, we can't help ourselves. And I love that aspect of human nature that, you know, can we, can we in our folly come together?
0: especially in the face of natural disasters. And I feel like those are happening, obviously, particularly in California, I feel like all the time, there's all the fires and all these tragedies that still are happening today. And it's so much, you know, what, 200, don't make me do the math, 215 years later or something from the earthquake, people are still, you know, running from the hills and dealing with fire and dealing with what do you do when your home is suddenly gone and there's the, sort of a timelessness to the, the theme of your book and, and how people, what, who, who does what in a disaster like that?
2: Well, that's really the question. And that's the question I think we're all being asked right now. Ultimately, what is your, your own moral compass of what is right and what is wrong? And when society gets leveled or challenged, that really becomes the question of the moment. Mm -hmm. And in terms of living out here, you know, I grew up in Connecticut. So this is my adopted San Francisco is my adopted home. And you can't live on this coast without being constantly aware of being on the edge right? If it's it's not the quake, it's it's fires. But it's also, I I don't know, you know, I've now written two novels about San Francisco, so clearly it's caught my fancy. (laughs) This beautiful place that's intrinsically dramatic, the hills and the, the valleys, the microclimates, the You know, if you dig just a little into the history of San Francisco, it was founded by miners. It was founded by the the ultimate entrepreneurs who, like, bet everything on finding gold. And the city grew up around servicing those minors so in in the early days of the city the prostitutes were revered they were very powerful people and I wanted to look at you know this character Rose who wasn't just a madam but she Mm -hmm. she was one of the major power brokers as I imagined her of, of in the town she knew everybody's secret and of course if you know the secrets you have great power but she also was a mother and you know her Vera is looking is looking for that sense of family that her mother denies her, and that's that's one of the currents in the book. Is like you know where where is the love, where is the love?
0: Wow! Now I feel like I should play that Black Eyed Peas song. Do you know what
2: I'm about? <laughs> Yes, I love that song. Okay. Right. That song. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, if the, if I did like a highly produced podcast, I would cue in some of that music, but we I don't. Digress. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wait, and so I know this is off topic, but how did you end up doing your Instagram live show where now you pick a word a, a know, week or a I, month or
2: whatever? I, where did that I, come from? Well, I'm a I'm a wordy I'm a wordy gal, and I love, I you know, it, words are stories. Every you know every word has its has its root and and along the way many many words have changed and we've sort of lost the original meaning but the original meaning is part of the story of what makes a word and I I've been on a bit of a hiatus but I'm going to pick it up again in September but like let's take the word vote the root of vote is vow so when you think about like that resonance that when you vote you are making a vow it's got a whole different feeling to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And there's that's so true about so many words. So I just love going on that that exploration of words. What tell me a word, but and tell you know if not this moment, another moment. Like what are you curious about? I love hearing from people like telling me. Would you look at this word? Would you look at this word? I would say overwhelmed. Okay, we say that word more than any other <laughs> other word. <laughs> With all you're doing, I can completely believe, it. I can completely believe that. You, you know, it's, it's such a moment in time when you, what well, you're doing so much, but I think I, I don't know anybody who, who isn't using that word right no, now. Everybody's overwhelmed. Yeah. Of whatever, whatever life, life has handed you, um, or that you've taken on, you know?
0: So what, what do you do when you're not working on a book or do you always have a book
2: going? I, I always have something going, you know, right now I've started a new book. I've got a couple essays and, um, a story that is keeping me up at night that I have not been able to finish literally in seven years. So I think I'm almost done with it, but also in the other half of my life, you know, is being part of narrative, my nonprofit narrative magazine, you know, we are a leading digital publisher of fiction, poetry, and art. You know, we publish some 300 artists a year. Wow. And one of the cool aspects of, you know, not just publishing all the writers you know and love is mentoring and discovering new writers and bringing them to the fort. You know, one of our original narrative prize winners, Natalie Diaz, just won the Pulitzer Prize. And Wow. And, and Ocean Vuong and so many, so many writers seeing them early in their career and bringing them forward. But also, you know, our library of thousands of stories and poems, because it's all free and accessible, teachers all over the world are teaching from it. And that has been just a really cool part of the the sort of legacy of narrative is, particularly in this pandemic, when 90% 90% of students around the world were learning online to hear from teachers in little villages in India or Serbia or Africa who don't have access to books but are reading are reading stories and they're they're seeing they're seeing themselves in the stories you know they're seeing they're seeing possibility that's that's my other gig and i'm there's never enough time but it's it's really fun to watch it grow. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. So, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Read everything and reread the stuff that really resonates for you and take scenes apart like you're a surgeon. Why? What happened there? Why did that move me? Why did that work? And writing is about generosity, i think. It's about giving the reader as many gifts as you can, inspiration, entertainment, your curiosity on the page and keep, you know, just how much can you give? Don't, don't, don't save it for later. The bucket keeps refilling. I guess that's two things I would say. (laughs) Excellent.
0: Well, this has been so nice, Carol. It's so nice to have met you and chatted with you and you're so too. elegant and classy. It's like, you're just, you have this like way about you. It's, it's very nice. I feel like I should call you like Mrs. Or er- Ed- Edgarian or whatever. Like, I feel like, no, seriously. Like I can, like you're almost like another, from another era of like oh. class. And I don't know. It's just so, you have such presence. It's very nice to see. So, and it comes through and you're writing the way you write in such an
2: elegant way. So anyway,
0: it was really nice spending time with you.
2: Really nice spending time with you and just keep on doing what you're doing. It's just, you're rocking it, girlfriend. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, maybe I'll see you in Northern California if I go on my road trip. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Take care. Have a great day. Take care.
2: You too. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.